This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Hey, 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 welcome back, everybody, to the MBSP, the most valuable sports podcast. My name is Brandon Worth, and I'm joined today with my co-host, co-partner, best friend, Don Aggie. What's I'm up? your best friend? I think you got to be in that conversation. I know. I think I got to You're in that conversation for me, too, Aww, Brandon. Heart emoji. Oh, audio yeah, I love to see it. But, you know, today's a pretty good day. Beautiful day outside today. It is. Pretty solid weekend of Fair State Sports and a great weekend that's going to be coming up later. But we'll talk about that Thursday. But we do have a pretty solid Fair State Sports report to talk about, as well as Adam Langworthy joining on with us later on in the show. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, obviously, March Madness, MLB Free Agency kicking off. Don't forget to check out that part of the episode. That'll be linked in our description, which also, if you don't check out our episode's descriptions, what are you doing? We tell you. I ex- even know what we're going to talk about. Then. We tell you everything. You must be on the edge of your about. edge of your seat every time you put the podcast on. Yeah, which is also cool. But if you want specific topics for all the stuff that we talk about on the show, go to the description. Find the topic you want to listen to. We even got a time cone. Boom! Click. Respect to Instant both. there. I can literally move the cursor over to that section of time for you automatically that's crazy well, actually, i don't do that anchor does that though and we love to work with anchor and all the things that they do for our podcast but right into the fair state sports report we go it went down this weekend anchor down, anchor down of course the anchor tennis gliac openers on the tennis matches was certainly fun to see uh men's tennis getting the win the six to dominating one win, dominating win if i might say win. dominating win uh, absolutely uh women definitely had their their fair share uh, of good matches but ultimately coming up short against the lakers but we'll start off with the men's of course i mean 6-1 win dominating fashion and of course in, doubles was solid dude. yeah holy crap yeah in the quote of coach mark doran the men were outstanding today and came out firing on all cylinders in double play. when you hear all cylinders you know that train's rolling literally you know, you know i especially when you look at it like uh jan and matisse they're really playing really solid. I don't think have they lo- other than like the Florida trip they haven't really lost at at home yet so far this season. And I mean even with McDermott and uh or Josh McDermott and Yush Deswell like those two guys even though they're at number 3 spot there like they're really solid and they've been able to pick up a lot of paces of play. And I think that's the most important part that we've been able to see success so much in the doubles is that you know we keep the energy up and you know that kind of carries through especially when you know with the racket center it's all four courts are like right next to each other. So you see everybody playing and you can kind of get the crowd involved a little bit. You can get the people watching involved a lot more. And when you have that energy up, it's really tough to be able to overcome that if you're the opposing team. And I think that's the one reason why we're able to play so solid, even all throughout singles and all throughout doubles. Yeah, I was unfortunately not able to come to this game Saturday due to family commitments, but there was a lot that I heard on the energy of the game this weekend. I heard the national football champion or national champion football team was in town over at the Rackage Center. So they had some support there that was cool to see but yeah the energy sounded like it was off the charts i mean gliac opener indoors certainly a fun time it's going to get rowdy in there but dominating performances across the board i mean doubles getting able to have the sweep there on the men's side and handily too not not just not just wins handily six three six two six three i mean that's that's pretty much winning at every single point but i mean the singles we did well uh, i mean all but one really 
was uh and um, I mean just even the, even losing one in singles I mean six to one still that that's such an impressive performance I mean Matisse able to knock out the GV's number one in a tough game that was the one I noticed right away I mean all falling in the opening set seven six and then coming back for two straight seven six wins uh in extra points so I mean that was really cool to see and I think that was I I mean Jan was kind of in a similar scenario as well that like you just talked about Joe I mean down six three and then getting a six four six three comeback in the next two sets and then the other and the rest of the guys with Yannick Ben Alessandro taking care of business as well to end up getting the win and a well-needed win I mean right now we're high up in the regional rankings I would have to say and we got to keep moving forward mm. right if they left us off the regional board what are you, doing? you messed up my friend what are you doing? You regret that decision exactly but yeah we played really solid uh and you know the nice thing is uh, uh, Matias obviously going to the third round, but like a lot of the other guys that are playing, they just kept their foot on the gas as soon as the as soon as single started. Like Benjamin played really solid, six four and six two win. Yannick played really good, same thing, six four, six two. And I mean Alessandro took a second to kind of get in the driver's seat a little bit with I mean he still won six four in the first one, but then domination in the, in the second set six to one. So other than Josh McD- uh, uh, Josh McDermott, who still played really solid, he still gave up a really good fight. Uh just couldn't get the clean sweep, which Sucks, but I mean, you lose some every day, so it's not a big deal. Yeah, you win some, you lose some, right? That's the nature of competition. And I mean, Gliak openers, obviously, everything's on the table early yeah. on to Gliak get a kickstart. opener against the second, like the people who fell to us in the in the, or we won the Gliak over them. The opponents to yeah, us in, the, see, in yeah. the tournament. I know exactly what you're saying. So, the what I'm seeing from, especially on the men's side, we'll get into the women's side in just a minute as well. They're playing better each and every set on in each match. Translate that into the season, we haven't even reached our full potential yet. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. That is really exciting. And for a team that just came off of a conference championship, the fact that we're going to be even getting better, that's very exciting to see. The program has been built, and Coach Jordan's done a great job with, the, with this crew, and they've played really, really well, really clean, really just overall fantastic tennis is really the, the word that comes to mind. There's not like a really an analytical where like it's just great it's just clean it's smart and really it's next level and it's really exciting exciting to see but uh, women's end up coming up just short 5-2 uh, against the Lakers a tough Lakers team and obviously not the result you wanted they put up certainly a good fight I would say and I mean Grand Valley has some great women's players as well uh, just slip up a little bit. No, it. I mean, just like we talked about, it happens, right? It happens. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, we're still able to get a couple of the top, the the top pairing wins. I mean, obviously, getting the number one in doubles was huge uh, for Nolan and Clack. I mean, not only that, six zip, clean sweep in that match. But, uh, I mean, all the rest of the players still played well. Uh, just wasn't their day, and that and that's really what happened. And it it really kind of stinks in this scenario. And I mean, especially for some of them, how tight they were. Uh, I know the threes match went into a 7-6-6-4 um, with Aglata Clack and uh, Vizio Griva, so that was a tough one. Um, and then Parker Nolan and, and Taylor Barrett, which we ended up getting the win on, and the singles went to three sets as well as Brittany Lavin and six-set win as well. So really tough competition all weekend for for this crew. Uh, obviously, some of the results we just, we just wish would have been flipped around, but long season left, and like we said, they're playing better, and we're really looking forward to seeing that translate over towards postseason. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no I, else, I didn't really have anything to add no to No other it, way so. to say it right there. So. Exactly. Yeah, but anyway, moving on over now, over to the Diamond. Softball was in action over the weekend um, and less games than we really expected. Uh, lots of weather going down south in Ohio over the weekend, I guess. Some rain, some nasty storms. Sounded pretty G-Rose, if you ask me, but we end up getting to play Finley uh, yesterday, if you're listening to this podcast, right away on Tuesday, which if you are, shout out to you. If you, maybe you're listening on Wednesday, it was on Monday uh, in a tough regional game against Finley. It, it was a tough one. It, not going to lie, it was a really tough one, and it was really hard to see uh, really, especially in the first game, we were in the driver's seat. We got the early lead. We were winning four up going into the bottom of the fifth. And then the Oilers just let loose. They tied us up 4-4 going into the sixth. And then, yeah, the final sixth inning, gee whiz. Which, I mean, it's just tough to go in that scenario of having a team run you out literally off the field in one inning of play, but that's exactly what they did. They came alive and it was really just a tough thing to see overall because they were playing so well. And then obviously going into the, the, the next, the following doubleheader, the second part, they just really nothing you could control after that. It was just really tough to bounce back in that sort of environment. And Finley mm-hmm. took that momentum and just wrote it completely over. And they're a good team and you got to give them credit. They played really well. Yeah, true. I mean, Finley, Nineteen seven. that's really tough, especially when you come out with seven runs in the first inning. That first inning jump is always something that you really want to see uh, for any team. Um, but I think the one good thing we can look forward to is that next week we're actually returning home, which is pretty solid. Or sorry, the weekend after, I think. I can't even remember now. But anyways, we still got Saginaw Valley coming up next week, which will be pretty solid. Or sorry, this upcoming Saturday. I'm getting my dates all sorts of mixed up, Brandon, my bad. Yeah. But we got Saginaw Valley coming up, who's, I mean, middle of the GLIAC, uh, especially opening up uh, our, our GLIAC play is going to be really solid. It's a it's a fresh start. I mean, we're still pre- playing pretty solid for preseason, but when regular season starts, with that's when it all comes down to it. And I think we're going to... Honestly, play pretty solid because we've been able to get the bats alive in a lot of games and been able to get a lot of a lot of runs, even in games that we've lost. But I don't know, Saginaw, they've been they've been a team that kind of struggled a little bit last year getting the bats going. When they did, they did not stop. That's the one thing they that definitely has to happen is defense gotta be solid. But I think if we can just step up and get our offensive game up a little bit compared to I mean Finley and kind of getting that early start out there and kind of being the driver's seat, especially with, you know, those later innings, is gonna be really solid. But I don't know. Saginaw is going to be a good test to start the season. Yeah, um, we're going to be home next Tuesday, actually, a week from today. We'll be playing Lewis in a non in a non conference regional homestand, so that'll be fun. But I think the the biggest thing too, as I'm more looking over this, is uh, there was a lot of tight spots we were put in uh, throughout this game, uh, especially down the stretch in the first game, and then obviously ending up in the rollover in the second game when they unleashed a monstrous uh, start to the second. Yeah, eight going down eighteen to three after two innings. That is a tough, that is a tough hill to climb, but still great performances. And I think the biggest thing was like, we're playing a lot of the younger players as well. Like uh, Christina Barb was in the, the final inning um, against uh, Finley in those parts of it. And on that Finley got to her a little bit and that's nothing against her. I mean, obviously those are just those tough things of like when you're, when you're in the, the situation of playing your first couple of games at the collegiate level, there's like things that you don't expect coming and when they do you just kind of oh shoot how do i react to that and that's where you see a lot of these veteran teams like finley being able to see them 
control the tempo of the game, make it in their run, and be able to really carry it over, especially on their home field. That makes it super difficult to go into that environment. But still, I mean, a lot of good things coming ahead. We're still early in the season. Like I said, every single time we talk about a lot of these teams is there's still time. We're analyzing as the game, but we still got two months left. So there's lots of time for them to dial it in, critique, and get this team rolling. But uh, some pretty cool snats over the weekend um, from these games. Amari Zukowski hit a dinger in game Hey-o. two. Dinger alert. Um, as well as Kylie Winkles, Casey Boucher with a couple of doubles in game two, as well as Paige Cor with uh, two base hits, including a double in game one. Caitlin Orme with a triple as well. Uh, Aaron Gallagher's five and one-third innings uh in in the in game one uh he's got you know a tough spot down the stretch as well but uh still a lot of good offensive performances but like we said just got to get that got to get a little bit better on the pitching side defensively and then against some of these really good hitting teams and then we're going to be in much better shape going forward because we're putting on the offensive we're getting the runs i mean we still put across 11 over two games which is pretty solid just Finley just had, they really just had the bats rolling. In yeah, Finley was just ridiculous. So you can't really do much about that. But it's a new week. It's a new day. Saturday's coming up, and I think we're going to be doing pretty solid when we get to SVSU. Absolutely. We'll look forward to that. All information on ferrisstatebulldogs.com. But uh, transitioning now over to the Lynx, golf was in action over the weekend at the SVSU Spring Invite. Uh, pretty solid performances from, from our squad of Bulldogs. Tied for seventh on the men's side, uh, only trailing, I believe, Wayne State. And we were tied with Northwood as fellow GLIAC foes. Um, overall, pretty solid. I mean, we did they did really well, um, especially with the transition from round one to round two. That was a huge bonus that I saw. And I think that was a big thing with a lot of the teams at the top, especially is we saw, I mean, early on, we had a 314 first round and then cut that down to 292 in the second round. That's a huge swing. Uh, and then frankly, really just some of those teams started off a little bit better going into that cut down like Finley had 295 in, in round one and then they cut it down to 294 so we ended up playing better than them in the second round but they just had a more consistent first round and that's why they were second compared to us in seventh but still really good performances from uh I mean the men's side for sure I mean we saw Thomas Hersey doing really well individually he was top 10 uh, I think ninth officially um with two under his part uh, two under rounds uh in the opening round and then or no Seventy in the final round, two under after seventy six. So that improvement is good to see, and I think that's we're seeing that with a lot of the spring sports. Pretty much, actually, is a lot of it starting off a little slow and then getting better over on. Um, but still, a lot of good things we saw from this team, and I think really the seventh place finish out of. Let me say a lot of teams. I literally had to scroll down the list to like all 19 teams, and they're mm-hmm. all pretty reputable teams as well. So, uh, really good performances overall from this group. Yeah, for sure. And though a good thing too is you see a lot of the GLIAC teams in there as well. I mean, Saginaw's there, Davenport's there. I mean, we fell to Northwood and Wayne State, but you know, when you look at where we're at now, kind of compared to a lot of these teams that we'll be seeing throughout the throughout the rest of the season and especially when it comes to GLIAC playoffs and stuff like that, I love where we're at, especially seeing that, you know, one one golfer maybe has a, a birdie on a hole and we're, we're up there past Northwood just by one because we tied with, them, tied with them for seventh. Wayne State in fourth by, you know, six shots. That's just one bad day on the golf course. So the one good thing, too, when you look at it is it's just basically a little bit more improvement and we'll be right there winning these tournaments. And I think we got a really good shot to make it uh, 
make it far for this Gleak, uh, for at least the Gleak tournament when we come to it and we're able to possibly get back to back. But it's going to be a lot of work. And I think that we can do it, especially only having what, like three or four more tournaments to play? Yeah. Especially. Three? Yeah. We got the Finley Spring Invite, the Cab Classic, Bill Blazer, and then we got the Gleak Championships. Ooh, that's quick. But in, I think in reality, I think there's so much work that goes in over the tournament because, I mean, you obviously you're playing 36 holes at least uh, in these formats. So a lot, of, a lot of things you can you can adjust with and you can change over. So, But still, great performances. I mean, we saw a couple guys that just had a couple of rough days. I mean, a couple of double bogeys happen here and there. And that, and that stuff happens. So uh, obviously looking forward to seeing that improvement going over from the men's side. The women's side also did very well this weekend. Uh, I mean... Really saw have gotten to see a lot of good things so far, uh, all together. Um, going into I think actually they pull, or they just finished day one yesterday. So, but I mean from that point we've seen some good things right now. I believe overall in the standings we are sitting ninth if I remember yes ninth overall. Um, at twenty over par as of the third round. So we're looking pretty good as of now. Uh, halfway through the field, but now going into today actually will be moving day, and we'll see how they do it. In the second round as well, but uh, seeing a lot of good things. I mean, Daniel Sikowski had a great first round uh, with Elena Eldred and Hope Thibault, our uh, our really our top two going in. I think to this season, really moving forward uh, overall. So a lot of good things to see from this team as well, and uh, hopefully seeing that same improvement that we saw from the men's side, being able to really climb the ladder in round two. Exactly. That's just the name of the game so far. Late and later in the season, it's just making sure you can get ready for when the time counts when it comes to those conference tournaments. Yeah, I mean, you look at kind of where golf is at right now, and I mean, you're you're sitting at a spot of they had a whole fall season of a lot of exhibition tournaments. I mean, being able to play at home. And you kind of go into the end of October. Now you're off till March. Now it's kind of just that whole reset of cycle again. And that's kind of where we sit at right now. And uh, I think the reality is, I mean, you'd mentioned it, Joe, three, three left, right? But we're playing for five. And that's kind of where can you get the three in their best place to get the five. And that's really where a lot of these bigger tournaments, the Cap Classic especially, um, will be one where I think a little really be a stepping stone for us moving up because you have these these really good competition-wise tournaments and you're used to the traveling. That's kind of your your last tune-up of this is where we got into what else can what else do I need to fix right now going into Gleax and then what that tournament's going to be huge for us because I mean the Gleax championship is certainly one that we have circled I mean obviously we if we get to Kansas City or we get to Gainesville for natties and regionals we'll get to there but that's the that's the number one priority right now because trophy trophy chasing that's really all it is going back Aaron this year exactly we want them we want them trophies we want them bad boys bad yeah winning last year I feel like it's just a culture. It's like, yeah, we want another one. Let's go win another, another one. Let's go win a third one. You Winning know? culture at Fair State is pretty sick. There is. And you know who represents that really well? The football team, obviously. Ooh. Spring practice coming on for the reigning national champions. Uh, schedule just announced over, uh, I believe it was Monday. Uh, loaded schedule can i say the least and no, this I mean, is gonna be it's gonna be pretty arguably the hardest schedule i think one of the hardest um, i would say for anybody in, in d2 we got central washington who we played two years ago in one of the uh, i think it was like d2 highlighted East game of the week three, or whatever yeah. yep. we went out to washington absolutely stomped them but they made the playoffs last year so that one's gonna be a pretty solid one lenore ryan uh is a team who made the playoffs as well that's gonna be solid waldorf is uh who will be playing uh 
next at home on September 24. Uh, they're at like a NAIA school or something like that, but like they're ridiculously good. Yeah. I think is what I saw like in the in the page uh, for what it was. I'll try to find it real quick. Um, yeah, that's a team. I mean, Waldorf was the one that I was like, I hadn't heard about. I knew the rumors about Lenore Ryan and I heard that announcement yeah. uh, going into the season. But uh, I mean, you got you have a return trip to Eastern Washington and or sorry, Central Washington. Uh, and then obviously we got the Oilers on October 1st, which. Does not matter record-wise. That game's going to end in a barn burner every single time, it seems mm-hmm. like. Uh, last year was a little bit of an exception, but, uh, I mean, then you got, obviously, a tough game schedule as it is, playing Saginaw and then Grand Valley and then Michigan Tech back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Those are really good programs as well. And then you had in Waldorf, who, honestly, to me, seems like a wild-card team, but do not overlook. Do not overlook because, I mean, they pretty much had one of their best seasons last year at the NEI level. They had seven wins. And, I mean, they're a pretty they're a pretty good team. And I think right now... They ain't half bad. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. So don't sleep on top of them because that's the last thing we can do in this scenario. But uh, I believe... I don't know exactly if this is how it is planned out because there's currently uh, a bye week in week three and September 17th week. And I'm very curious to see... If that is going to be the official bye week stamped down, which I'm assuming it is since the fact that we just released this, um, or if they were going to be trying to plug in a third game or a week three game. But I mean, I really like how this is because it gets you those two opening games, uh, the really tough competition. Then you gear it back. You come back to top Taggart for Waldorf, and then you gear up for that rest of the season run, um, mm-hmm. especially being a lot closer. Because, I mean, Central Central Washington may be at home. Then we're going to have to travel to Lillian Ryan, which is a little bit of a hike, I would say, like a long little bong bus ride. Uh, and I think they're taking a plane for that one. They might take a plane for that one. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I really like the schedule. I like how challenging it is. That just shows you that we're tough. We're ready. Let's run it back. And I think it's going to be fun to see how this goes going on here into 2022 that's the one thing is it's it's solid enough where i think if we just play as good as we know we can and we you know play with no mistakes like we're used to we're gonna really run the table i think and i think we're gonna be really solid i'm more interested to see when the summer kind of comes to a conclusion where they put us in the preseason polls especially with us kind of losing some of our guys and on the uh, offensive line and kind of losing some of those defensive players that really stood out last year and i mean losing jared bernhardt is a big one as well but i think still we'll probably be, my prediction is we'll probably be top five at least not if not top three because i mean i could see if like we don't get number one because we don't I mean, I don't, I don't know. I guess I wonder like how much of a national chance, like how much that kind of adds into it for like whatever. Because what were, what were we last year? Like what, number six? I think pre-season? going into the season, we were somewhere around five or six. Then we climbed up to two or three. And then we were like, yeah, this is our this is our year basically over halfway through. Because I think there was a lot of skepticism after the Saginaw Valley game. Played one of our worst games, hands down. Yeah. Like so but many turnovers, we beat, and we still won. But then once we beat GV, didn't we get first? We beat number one. We beat Grand Valley, and then we went on. Yeah, and that was pretty much the the turning point because it was kind of us and flip flopped at that moment going into that matchup. But mm-hmm. I mean, I really like where we're at as far. I think it's going to be interesting noting like the change as far as the schedule of like homecoming is now going to be like that's going to be the Waldorf game in September, not necessarily the late one of the late Gliak games like it was this year. I think it was against Northern uh, like November 5th or whatever, like like week nine or something. And now it's going to be in week four. So that's going to be a little bit of a change. I mean, obviously the biggest one. Anchor Bowen's coming back to top tagger, baby. That's yeah, going to be for that one. so much fun. So 
I think this is going to be a great schedule. A lot of lot of good competitive teams early out the gate. That just shows that Coach Anise is ready to get back to where we left off back in December. So I'm looking forward to this team. I'm really looking forward to seeing what we do. And I mean, obviously, we're going to get more in or more information on what the team's looking like. Depth chart moving around uh, as we get through spring practices and obviously spring game coming up late April. You can come out and watch. It's going to be fun to see. It's going to be fun to work that one, too. Yeah. Gonna have to work that one, unfortunately, probably. Why do you say unfortunately? Unfortunately, because I we might have free food. Well, no, because that'll be like a weekend of meat, so it's gonna be oh, like shaky yeah. as far as my schedule is concerned. Mm. That is not unfortunate. I'll work every football game if I could, but I mean that'll be that'll be kind of a tough spot for me. But I'm still going to see what this team does, and I'm really I I'm really looking forward to this team because last year was incredible. One of the one of the most finest years I've had covering a team ever and i want to do it again i want to go i want to go a blast i want to go sit in in mckinney isd stadium's press box with all the division two teams and being the only media member up there just looking at me every time jared bernhardt touched the ball and found the end zone like i was just this crazy man and i was like (laughs) yeah this is who fair state is it was awesome i enjoyed every minute of everybody just looking at me like your team is so good and i'm just like yeah, we are. We're so, ridiculous. Guys, take me back. I want to do it again. We need yeah, to I do wanna it go again. back. I want to go back down there and be in the crowd, dude. That was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Joe got the full experience. You were even on national TV like five times. I was on times. national TV. I mean, I this guy got row. screen time. I was oh, in the front man. row having a blast on the field. It was a oh, good time. It was a great time. I wonder if we got fined for, for sprinting on the field. I don't think so. I'll be interested, though, because I heard the rumors that that could have been a possibility, but it's a natty. Cincinnati. Is, is it it's worth our first it? one. Why not? So, yeah. But anyway, that's the Fair State Sports Report. For more information, you can check it out on the website or as well as fall in our future shows coming up this next week. But we're going to take a quick break. Right back, we come. Friend Adam joins the show, MOB and March Madness. Stay tuned. When Brandon and I first started our podcast, we didn't know really what to do. Bulldog Radio helped us out, but the one big thing that really made us really go to the next level was Anchor.fm. If you want to start your own podcast, go through Anchor.fm. They make it so easy. They make it a one-stop shop for you to record, edit, and publish your podcast. And not only that, they publish it to a whole bunch of different platforms for you to go on. I mean, we've talked about it. You got CastBox, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, just to name a few. So if you guys want to start your own podcast, go on Anchor.fm. You can make your own account, start editing, start recording, and start publishing your podcast today. And now we return from our quick little break here. And joining us in the studio, Adam Langworthy, a returning guest to the studio. Adam, welcome. Bonjour. Love the enthusiasm, boys, <laughs> but we're going to hop right into some NCAA March Madness right now. Over the weekend, games got locked for the Sweet 16. They'll be returning in action on Thursday and Friday, the 24th and the 25th. Some great games coming up, fellas. What ones are kind of catching your eye? Have you been, I don't know, if, have you been following it much, Adam? Oh, yeah, a little bit. You know, the uh, Michigan State fan, so I'm, I'm assuming we're going to talk about that. Of course, conveniently, you have me on here after they after they get eliminated. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we go blue. You know how it is. We wouldn't do that, would we, Joe? Oh, uh, we but wouldn't. It's, I mean, it's fifth right. year in a row, we made the, <laughs> fifth year in a row, we made the Sweet 16. No yeah. Hey, we can't agree, though. It's 
great Nats fan, Ohio State fan. That's true. Am I that's right? That's true. Oh my gracious, what a great loss for them. Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, there were some great games over the weekend, and honestly, the one of the best ones was the one I unfortunately didn't have the chance to stay up and watch. Arizona TCU that went to overtime, the controversial that tip one. in. That one was crazy. Oh my goodness, what a game that was. Shout out to TCU. I mean, they played phenomenal from in the two games. I mean, they crushed Seton Hall. They didn't play like a nine seed this tournament. That's no. that's for a fact. That team played fantastic. I mean, they crushed Seton Hall by 25 or 27 in the opening round and then gave arguably the top team in the tournament, according to Andy Katz, in the Arizona Wildcats all the way to overtime. But they get the win anyway, 85-80. That was a great game. Uh, of course, we mentioned our, our Wolverines. Go Blue. Uh, sure. Being able to beat Tennessee. I'll tell you one thing. Like, everybody's kind of... Oh, I wish we would have played Tennessee. Tennessee was a good team. They didn't play that well against us in the second half, but our defense stepped up, and we were able to make some shots in the second half, and I think that was huge, and I think that got us to win outright by my the favorite, end. My favorite part about that game was when uh, Tennessee center, I forget his name, but he got like an one or like a hard layup on Dickinson and then put like his hand down by the floor. I know what you're And then Dickinson about. goes up right next possession and just absolutely bodies the guy, gets the really hard and one. And then he just, everybody on the bench and everybody in the crowd is just tapping their heads to let him know who's actual boss here. But I'm pretty excited for that one. I mean, they're going to be playing Villanova. Uh, they beat Ohio State. Love to see it. But it's a two versus 11 seed. So either Cinderella's story continues or it ends right here. So hate to see it. I don't know about y'all, but I'm all in on St. Peter's. Lifelong Peacock fan over here. Peacocks, yeah. <laughs> baby. I mean, I'll tell you one thing. I know me and Joe talked about this back in our bracket breakdown. Uh, I do remember saying that if there was any 15 seed I would take, it would have been St. Peter's. But golly, I wouldn't have been ready for what was had to happen right now. The Peacocks, man, they're they're crushing it right now. I mean, going able to beat Kentucky and Calipari uh, and then beating Murray, the 30 win. Murray State Racers. So I mean, they're they're on a roll right now. I mean, are should we be concerned that they could move on and beat Purdue? I don't know because the thing is, I'm pretty sure their center is like six what six nine six ten or something like yeah, that. And smaller. Purdue's center is like seven four seven yeah. five, and he's a big seven four. Dang. So like that's like the only thing I think they're gonna have a problem with is just down in the paint. But I mean, you got Doug, you got Stash Doug. Who's on your team? So oh, I think yeah. I think when you're riding that, I think you're gonna have a pretty solid game. And Purdue, honestly, against Texas, they kind of struggled a little bit, kind of getting to. I mean, Texas kind of came back a little bit near the end, but they were able to pull pull away, eighty-one to seventy-one. But like, I don't know. Purdue started off really hot, number one, and then they dropped down to all the way to number three. So you know, they've they've lost some games that they shouldn't have. So maybe it's gonna be another one. I think the government needs to look into where they keep getting all these seven footers. I like growing them <laughs> in a lab. I don't understand. You, it. Got, yeah. you got Haas a couple of years ago, and then you got Arms. 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 And now you got whoever this guy is. Like seven me. foot German kids. It's like are they? Is there like a seven foot daycare or it's something? Indiana they have? Or it's just tall basketball players. They just grow up I mean, they're they're feeding. I guess a special diet or something. I think it's what it started with Robbie Hummel, and then yeah. now it's just progressed of your seven foot center, your boilermaker. It's just it's just that's just how Born, I, that's just how it works now, I guess. But uh, I mean, Michigan get to we get to steal one of them. I mean, Dickinson's nice to have, so yeah, true. at least we got our our pair at one of them. But Moose is also very good. But uh, I definitely would agree with Adam that it was unfortunate to see Michigan State's run come to an end. I mean, Davidson game. Awesome. I thought that lived up to its expectations as a hype game. I mean, obviously, uh, I'm Michigan State coming on top by one, but I mean, 
Davidson really gave them all they can handle. I mean, that was a pretty that was a pretty tight contest. But Foster Lawyer certainly played better. I feel like when in his spot at Davidson than he did almost during his entire tenure at Michigan State. He's really grown as a Wildcat. You got to feel bad for him because like he's fine, he's whatever. But like when he messes up, he messes up. Like when he does something good, you know, he hits a three, whatever. But when he messes up, it's like he gets stepped on and dunked on. Like <laughs> there's no in between for him. Either he's an absolute disaster out there, or he's just okay. Yeah, that's I could I could understand that. He made some big plays in that game, but I mean Davidson could shoot the rock. That's one thing we saw in this tournament. And that's really why they were favored as the 10 seed going into this game. But I mean, good kudos to Michigan State, and I mean really giving Duke a whole run. And I mean really. Almost should have beat that team just based on how the game flowed towards the end of the game. I know the last six minutes they were going on that huge run to take the lead. I know me and my buddies were watching from the rock. There might have been friendly wagers put on. Some funny <laughs> stories made that day. If you're listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but there was that. I mean, Duke just couldn't miss the last three minutes. And they really put on a show, uh, especially with, you know, Paulo Benjero stepping up and being big for mm-hmm. them. So tough to see. <laughs> The Michigan State's run come to an end, and I mean, just another year having to play Coach K again. I guess the I guess the committee just wants to see that every single see, year. They just I guess. want to see Izzo versus Coach K, but I mean, they're going to be taking on Texas Tech now, so that's going to be tough for them. I mean, Texas Tech is really solid on the defensive side, so to kind of hold them back, I think is going to be it's going to be tough. But those two teams are really going to show out. I think. Yeah, I guess one from Adam, from your perspective, what do you think of? Because I know I've talked to some Michigan State fans, and some of them are just absolutely sick of playing Coach K like every other year in the tournament. But I mean, there's been years when like you beat them. That's just kind of the catalyst to, to pole vault you. What do you think on that? I mean, I love playing the the best teams because it's it's a fantastic game to watch. It's mm-hmm. a nice win. All I'm saying, all I know, is that this Coach K. Farewell tour crap has got to be put out of its misery. Just stop. <laughs> Just please, someone end this. Exactly. Just, I kinda, I'm with you there, too, because people are like, I don't know. He's had such a great impact on the game of college basketball, but they act like, because, like, Duke was trying to get it so that way they could play in Chicago, like in the Midwest or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, like, so that way they could play in Coach K's hometown. It's like. The guy is like a legendary basketball coach, but like we shouldn't just like give the like world to him just because he's retiring. Yeah, and I don't like, think we're not, well, not going to do the same thing for Tom Izzo, but like he did the same thing. We're not going to do the th- same thing for they didn't do that for John Wooden when he retired. Like they didn't do anything crazy. He like I feel like they're kind of blown, blowing his career like not out of proportion because he has a ridiculous amount of wins, but like they're blowing it out of proportion for like what a coach actually deserves when he retires. Yeah, yeah. here's here's what I'll say on that. Coach K, his legacy, I mean, 45 years in the game of basketball, 40 years at Duke. I mean, his career is phenomenal. I mean, how many wins is he almost to 1,200 now coming up this week, I think is what it is. Something I'll fact check it. Something like that. You can fact check me, Joe, or anybody that's listening can type in the chat or whatever. The, The biggest thing I feel like with that scenario is Coach K doesn't want that. Like we saw in his last game when they were playing at Cameron and playing UNC and then he lost. And what was the first thing he said is like, No, I don't wanna hear it. Like we lost this game. I don't wanna hear the I don't wanna hear the cheers. I don't wanna hear all that stuff. Like we're here to win basketball games. And that's the way Coach K's always been. It's never been the publicity. It's never been I'm here at Duke, this is who I am. It's like, no, we're it's, I'm here to win. And that's why he took the job at Team USA because he wanted to, them to win gold. And that's why it has been his mentality the entire time. So the special treatment I feel like is something that he doesn't want the media i'm sure does that but like in our age it seems like now everything is so much more amplified in sports i mean we're talking 
everybody's getting some sort of memoriam, a statue at their own college for what they did in college, regardless of what they did in the NFL. I mean, frankly, this is probably a perfect, like Baker Mayfield, for example, he's getting his statue at Oklahoma. How do some people feel like that if it was 20 years ago, right? If there was somebody else in that scenario, it's like, okay, Bo Jackson didn't get his statue for how many years? Now, why are we giving Baker one after five, you know? So that's kind of a hard situation now to, to comprehend. It's like what exactly the coach wants, but what the media wants as well. And now that's always conflicting, it seems like, and then there's always just the arguments about it. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure Dosumu already has his number retired in yeah, uh, Illinois. Exactly. It's like we're so quick to honor in this in in just where we are as a society, and I'm, it's kind of interesting how that has all just kind of transpired. But it's just it's just crazy. But I mean, at the end of the day, Duke's or do her coach K and Duke, they're just looking at Texas Tech, which can be a fantastic mm-hmm. game, by the way. Two polar opposite teams. Duke's going to want to go out and run and transition. Texas going to slow that game down to. Pfft, 50s in probably score wise but gonna be some great games i mean arizona houston is one i'm certainly gonna be watching houston's defense has just been awesome every single year and i really i think i slept on him too much this year i know i picked uab but that was just the one i thought was not going to happen there's no way it would so it would because it's march madness so but my gut was right and i wish it would have stuck with it but I think one of the biggest games, guys, UCLA and North Carolina, not Baylor. I mean, the Tar Heels, man, they are I'm excited to see this one. Yeah, Tar Heels are just... I knew, especially when they beat Duke going into that game, that that was going to be the boost that they needed to go into the tournament, especially them probably going to the most hostile arena in college basketball for that game. The biggest... Coach K's farewell. It's a massive rivalry game. Like this is this is where you want to play, and you're able to go up there and upset them. You play really well against Marquette, almost a thirty or over a thirty point margin of victory when it's only one seed difference, eight and nine, and then you go up against Baylor, who's national cha- or defending national championships, trying to make it back to it, and then you go beat them ninety three to eighty six. I don't know. North Carolina just rolling so much right now that I don't think UCLA is going to be on top, even though they're the four and eight seed. I don't think North Carolina is going to lose this one. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was surprised uh, they beat Baylor because uh, I remember Michigan State played Baylor earlier in the season. They looked unstoppable. Mm-hmm. So, and to being defending national champs, of course, that comes with, you know, that respect there. But uh, who, who's who's the guy with the with the with the beard or whatever? That guy, he's a funny looking dude. But every every time, <laughs> what guy? Uh, what's his name? I don't know. He's he's the, the redheaded guy. Yeah, he looks like he's Amish. I don't know who it is, but that guy that guy's a walking bucket, I swear. A walking bucket. Oh my god. You imagine that dude on YouTube who like makes all those contraptions, basketball workout contraptions out of like wood and stuff. Oh, oh, the oh barn, yeah, the yeah, barn, barn James. James. I know exactly. what you're talking about. That's isn't, isn't it uh Mayor? Meyer, Mayor, yeah, Meyer, whatever his name like is. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah, that's he's a, ridiculous. That's a funny description. But I mean that game certainly one thing, the fouls was ridiculous. I mean, I think there was over 50, 60 fouls in that game, but I mean nonetheless it's going to be fantastic and I, I mean really you look at what Baylor's done and I mean they've got they got guys banged up all year and that was one of the reasons like I didn't want them to repeat I feel like I've just naturally now become a Baylor fan after last year maybe I'll get a t-shirt maybe not maybe I'll wait till next year but I mean they did me due diligence in a lot of my brackets last year so I do pay tribute to them so but I mean you got to give credit to North Carolina I mean they're they're, they're just playing unstoppable basketball right now they're filling it they're efficient offensively, defensively. They're forcing turnovers. They're making big plays when they need to. They're just playing basketball 
like exactly what you want. The only thing that you would be a little concerned about is, yeah, they gave up a 25 point lead to let that game go to overtime. Yeah. But we know Scott Drew's teams always have a cool tendency to claw back regardless of what game it is. So you can let that kind of slide for a little bit. But I mean, UCLA also is going to be a tough test. Johnny Juzing, that crew, that backcourt's going to be looking to fill it. So going to be interesting to see how North Carolina, uh, I think, and Herbert Davis really adjust to see if they might try to let that game play more inside. Because if they do, I think North Carolina would be heavily favored in that game. But I think probably the most surprising matchup uh, on this docket, I mean, we have Kansas and Providence. That game kind of speaks for itself chalk-wise as well as Gonzaga-Arkansas. But Miami and Iowa State, the 11 and the 10, Auburn and Wisconsin both go down. Now we have the Cyclones and the Hurricanes, a battle of natural disasters. are going to be on the floor on Friday night, and I think that's going to be an interesting game because nobody expects them to be here. So, hey, I would, give it I, a whirl. I honestly didn't think Iowa State was going to make it past LSU and Miami. I knew they were probably going to beat USC, but against Auburn, I had no no shot that they were going to make it past there. But they have just been playing like pretty solid. I mean, putting up putting up almost eighty points against Auburn, who is typically a pretty solid defensive team, is really impressive. So I think Iowa. The one thing Iowa has to work on is just getting points on the board because they have not scored over sixty at this tournament. And for Miami, who you know can hold teams to low points, I think Iowa's going to struggle with that. So that's the one thing that they got to do. But I don't know. Iowa State just has something about them that I like. But I think Miami's probably going to take this one, especially with how well they've been able to hold teams to low points so far. Yeah, Iowa State, what I love so much, and that was one of the reasons I picked them to get to this point. I did not have them playing Miami, I'll tell you that. That one would surprise me. But I think it's just it's just defensively, man. They they know how to step it up against the big-time scorers. Because, I mean, you look at you guys like, Davidson, Johnny Davis, and you're like, man, these guys can, they got, those guys can fill it. I can respect them. I mean, obviously, as a Michigan fan, we still have some beef going on from there, but I've moved on from that. And they're still a good team. But I mean, Johnny Davis was, he just seems like ever since he got banged up in that Big Ten tournament, he's not been the same. And he really wasn't in this game. And it was unfortunate to see. But I mean, I, Iowa State, man, you got to give them credit. I mean, they held LSU to 54 points and then they come back and they beat Wisconsin in dominating fashion last week. I I think the final was somewhere around, wasn't it around like sixty to sixty to low fifty? I think it was in that yeah. point. I'm trying to I'm trying to find it, but my that means Brad Davidson's gone right, now. right forever. That I think means Brad Davidson is gone forever. I think. End quote. Good, good riddance. I th- I'm pretty sure that's correct. But, I mean, it was 54 to 49. I just made sure. So, I mean, that shows it right there. I don't even have to put up other stats to bring and support that point. Defensively, they're fantastic. And they really do a great job of deflecting passes. They're able to get in the lane. And they're able to force tough shots. They, it's what Wisconsin really hasn't been able to do this year is i mean you got you have guys like johnny davis and brad davidson that can make plays but when those guys aren't hitting there there's not a whole lot else a lot of the guys around in offense spot up shooters they're not create your own shot type of guys so i mean we're certainly when those guys started struggling you they didn't have any source of offense so iowa state they're they're kind of pulling the the texas tech model you know what defense can get yourself to a championship game and maybe they're going to follow that all the way through but i mean they certainly have a favorable matchup i would say against miami who's a team that we did not expect to be here and but stellar play, they kept it rolling, and nothing short of greatness right now. They might be moving on to the elite eight. There's a 50-50 shot, really. I think in this one, mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be a pretty solid uh, game. I'll probably watch that one. 
probably most have, other than the Michigan game, that's the one I'm looking forward to most. Of course, Michigan uh, is going to be a game I certainly watch against Villanova. It's going to be a rematch. I mean, oh, we played them in San Antonio a couple years ago. It didn't go our way, but now it's a new year. It's a new season. Let's let's get after it. But I will say this: if Michigan wins all the all, wins it all this year, I'm not ever. I'm not going to say that this will happen. This would totally be the year to do it because nobody expects them to win it all this year. It's like the perfect storm. Like nobody's even going to be looking forward to like when last year team like we were actually being picked. It was kind of like, oh, now, you know, it's like now we might not win. It's like, yeah, we have people like, yeah, Auburn's going all the way. Kentucky's going all the way. Baylor's going to do it. And they're like, oh, yeah, those teams are sitting down after two weeks of basketball. Like you are of a better chance going into the tournament not being a selected Final Four team to make it there just because that's the virtue of March Madness. That's true. So I would say that would be fun, but there was one thing that happened over the weekend in these games that I wondered about your guys' opinion with this, and I know a lot of the fans have seen it. The situation in the Illinois-Houston game where there was a technical foul given for what did not look to be a technical foul. And a lot of Fighting Illini fans are saying that is the reason they lost the game. You guys know what I'm talking about? No. You do not know what I'm talking about. Me okay. Well, what game was it again? So this is Illinois-Houston. Illinois, I believe there was uh, maybe around like 12 minutes left in the second half. Illinois brought the game to within four points on a breakaway dunk. Um, I, I think it was Valendez that we had, had the fast break slam and he hung on the rim and swung himself out and then swung back in and landed back on the floor. But during that sequence, he officially teed him up for hanging on the rim as a, I don't know if he officially declared it, but the only thing I could think of is like excessive celebration, which in clearly he could not. Reggie Miller had some beef with that one as he was on the broadcast and was verbally saying absolutely not multiple times. And I would have to agree with him. I don't know if that was the right call. And I feel unfortunate for Illinois fans. I mean, not as a Michigan fan, but just mm-hmm. in this situation because that play after that whole momentum was stopped. Houston went on, I believe, it was like a twenty-eight to ten run, and that's how they ended up winning by fifteen points. And I really feel bad that that event had a huge impact on this game. But I mean, that's just hard for me in that situation to let that go and not say that wasn't a factor because those type of plays, those momentum breakers, can really derail a whole way that the game is like flowing. And I, I don't think that's like. Obviously, I'm the big component of one play doesn't determine the outcome of a game. But, I mean, it, it's hard to get it around on such a – for uh, Illinois, that's such a streaky team. We know that already. They could win 15 games in a row or we'll lose seven in a row. That's really how it goes. So, And, I mean, that's really what killed them in the end. It's just that streakiness. They relied on a little bit too much. And, I'm unfortunately, that play pretty much derailed their season almost. Yeah, I don't really think that's – I'm watching it right now, and I don't think that's – warrants a technical foul because the thing is he's already on the fast break and he's like got that momentum to go for it and i think when you i mean i've never had that before because i can't like dunk at all (laughs) but like i think when you are throwing it down like you need to make the decision of like when to let go and like if you make the time to let go at the wrong time like his legs could have just swung out from under him yeah and like he could have hurt himself on the way down so like you want to make sure that you land correctly and i think that refs too are a little bit soft with the with the what constitutes a technical because some refs just want you to like as soon as you put it in just let it go but some refs will kind of let you hang on a little bit and i mean there was i think against texas or what was it when tcu was playing one of their dunks was like 
hanging on pretty excessively, and then they let go and they didn't call it. So I think that's the one thing is like you need to have like a whole like talk about what actually constitutes having a technical foul when it's a dunk because it's tough to decide to discern whether it's just for like the player safety so that way they don't land weird and land where they could be injury. But it's also like you definitely know when something's excessive. Everybody knows it's a consensus thing when something's excessive. Like when somebody's shaking the rim or something. But that, it's like, oh, he dunked it and he's just swinging back so he can, doesn't have to fall. Like, it's pretty simple. But I don't know. I think there's a set, a set like criteria for what's too excessive. And there's sometimes where just people don't really talk about it. Yeah, I, I you watch the video. And I hate to like just live in the past for that moment of time. If you were watching that play and you saw him swing and then they called the technical foul, basically, as he was coming back to the floor, it was so clear he was trying to get back. He swung himself even farther to get back on defense faster. And I would have totally agree with what Reggie Miller had to say on it. And it was what exactly what you said, Joe. Like, you swing that much momentum forward. Because he was sprinting down the floor. There was a guy chasing him. You're sprinting all the way down the floor to slam it. And if you swing... And you try to get you try to let go too fast. I mean, you're on your head. That's a match concussion protocol. Well, not only that, you're, if you swing, your tournament's almost over. If you swing far enough, it's like you kind of have the you're you run into the pad, but then that makes it even worse. Where like you can mess something. You up. are not landing on your feet, and you don't yeah. you cannot control what's going to happen in that scenario. We need to have refs that can dunk, so that way they can decipher it themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need. But in that scenario, it was just a, a really tough call, and I mean, obviously that one came into a lot of different ones that didn't necessarily need this argument, but of course, because as the nature was in the game. It was, it just had a, a whole mess of that, but and I think in the reality, it's just there was no intent, and it was just too quickly called. I think they had to let that one just go past because I think you're right, Joe, that there's no distinct element of what is taunting, what is excessive, and what is not because there's reality of some people express their they would express that taunting measure more than others, and some people wouldn't do it necessarily on the rim, and they would necessarily do it when they get back to the floor. But either way, Illinois. They, they just haven't found a way to get past uh, week one. So I, I think that's really kind of hard for fans now just to see something like that possibly derail it. But, I mean, in reality, they still could have won that game. I mean, Houston was playing good defensively, but they were missing some shots, and they could have easily kept that run going. But too streaky of a team, and now they're gone once again. Mm-hmm. Hate to see it. You hate to see it, right? You really do. Yeah. Illinois, just, not, just don't pick them. Honestly, just don't pick them at this point. If you like, you want to be disappointed, sure, you can pick them again. But until they they make a long run in March Madness, I'm staying away. I just don't think that team is in that position to make a run yet. And it kind of sucks now because, I mean, there's two Big Ten teams left. We start with nine. Now we have two. So that, that just sucks for our conference. But it's going to be a fun week of March Madness coming up. There's a lot of great games coming up. You can find the schedule all online. And you can follow our bracket picks as well. Uh, I know I think Joe's beating me right now at the moment. Grr, I'm, just, I'm staring at you across the room. But uh, we're certainly going to be fun to see how this all plays out. But finishing up the show, we're now going to the Diamond Spring training is in session we're having baseball finally what a great time it is to see players on the field finally no chain link fences around the outside with locks on the gates 
Uh, literally, is it literally? Do you think they went to that measure at some point, or it was just kind of understood that you know, stay off the field? I don't know, but the uh, the picture of chained up glove or chained up baseball industry is devastated by this news. I yeah. didn't know there's so many stock photos of yeah. of oh, <laughs> baseballs yeah. out there. It, yeah. it was a different one every time. I was honestly impressed. Yeah, Getty Images has now lost three million dollars worth of of endorsement photos that that they cannot use anymore but no i think it's it's mean it's just great to see everybody back and i mean a lot of a lot of big faces in a lot of new places too and i I mean right now we're seeing free agency uh i think starting to taper off a little bit now that's uh, i mean post lockout it was in a frenzy when you saw guys like chris bryant getting moved and obviously uh carlos correa is now officially found out he's going to minnesota of all places and what a great time to pick what was it last tuesday night at like one in the morning a great time to make a decision i guess but well i hope he can pitch too because they got nothing no they lost out on every pitching free agent uh unless they trade for manaya Montas from from oakland they got nothing and one of those even got hurt in spring training the other day so he they he better be you know five rbis a game or they're not gonna win many games yeah i here's the thing i see on this scenario and i know as whereas we as tigers fans that's kind of where i feel obligated we can talk about this because obviously we were one of the teams in the hunt for carlos correa obviously at the age of hinge connection he signed a three-year deal with two opt-outs after what year two after year one and year two that tells me he doesn't want to be minnesota well, it tells me that he wants to be a free agent in a year where there's not five other elite free agent shortstops. Yeah, he does not. I do, it's kind of interesting because, and that almost tells me nobody was willing to give him that much money either. Because he, obviously he would have signed a long-term deal, I think, if he would have been in it. But I think, I mean, obviously that it would not having other guys like Trevor Story or Corey Seager in the mix would definitely make it easier for him to get that big deal. But Minnesota, of all places, man... Minnesota, of all places. You're right. I don't like they're not that great of a. I don't see them as a, a contending team in the AL Central whatsoever. And that's taking Tigers' bias completely out of the picture because they don't have any pitching. I but, do think it's hilarious that the Yankees paved the way for their own uh, downfall in, in the Korea sweepstakes because yeah. they traded for Donaldson. They took fifty million off the books for Minnesota. And they needed a shortstop because they what Isaiah Kiner Falefa or whatever. Like, who would you rather have, Correa or Kiner Falefa? And they just completely paved the way for the Twins to come in and get the much better shortstop. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so weird to me. But on uh, some of the other deals that ha- that were made uh, post the lockout, uh, I know Trevor Story one that was probably the most recent that everybody's heard about six year deal with the Red Sox. Uh, I thought that was a pretty interesting deal. Uh, and then, obviously, we got some, some other guys that made some signings as well. I thought the I thought one of the more underrated ones was uh, Sai Suzuki going to the Cubs. I think that's a really interesting deal because he got the five years from uh, where is it, Hiroshima that he was playing before um, over there. So, But really, I don't think you see that as like a top free agent signing until we have a Shohei Otani show up. And now mm-hmm. look how the effect it's having on the league of now we're starting to give some of these international players, huge contracts. And I think that's kind of cool to see now that the league is sort of expanding and not necessarily just inviting these players in, but hey, like you're one of the best. We'll pay the big bucks. That's cool to see. They had that a little bit before with, uh, I don't know if y'all remember Dice K. Matuzaka and the, the mythical gyro ball. The, mm-hmm. the Red mm-hmm. Sox gave him a boatload of money. 
Yeah, not being a pitch that was Tanaka yeah. uh, got some good Tanaka money. Tanaka was yeah. Uh, there was there's always been a couple of those deals, but obviously you know Shohei has made the market a little bit better for those Japanese players like Ichiro, especially also made. Yep. That's a good one. I think like even just the legacy that some of those players have left, like Ichiro, <laughs> for sure is probably the number one on the list. As Hideki far as, Matsui. Yep, Matsui was another one as well. I mean, even like everybody kind of paved the way in that scenario, and I think because I think with baseball we don't see. Like it's an it's a completely international game because I mean, how much percent of the league is from the Dominican, Cuba, South America, where we kind of like adopt that into like yeah that's normal, and then we kind of see like when somebody comes over from like Japan for example, it's like oh that's a whole new thing, which is kind of weird to me because it's like in the reality, they're not from it's not they're not from the states like what is actually considered international in this scenario because everyone's like oh this is a big international free agent signing or whatever and it's just like. Yeah, I totally get that he's coming from a non-major league team, but you know, just kind of a it's kind of weird how they perceive it that way, how it's kind of adopted in the baseball that that is a part of us. That section of that section south of us is like connected already in the league, which some of them have been in the systems and that makes sense, but you know, just the wording of it is just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting, but uh, a lot of great moves have been made and of course as as Tigers fans, I think that we've made some pretty good moves right now. Of course, we have Tiger fan Mags on the show to hear his thoughts as well, but Baez, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, a lot of great players as well that we signed for our lower deals. I know we signed Schaffin just a couple of weeks ago. We mentioned on the show. What are your overall thoughts here over all the first couple of weeks of spring training? Uh, well, uh, I'd say the the biggest one, um, I mean, the signings are great. Don't get me wrong. But I, I'm really interested to see what Matt Manning does this year. Last year before the season, he had a nasty bout with COVID, lost like 20 pounds. Because um, before that, he was hitting triple digits at times. And so, you, I mean, you look at his numbers from last year in the majors, not all that great. But you have to keep in mind the whole bout with COVID and um, his velocity was way down. His last start last year was he was lights out. Yeah. And uh, he's already touched uh, 96. Uh, it was yesterday he faced a loaded Blue Jays lineup, two innings, one hit, two strikeouts. So I'm really excited to see what he does this year. Um, Pineda too. I'm glad we have an actual fifth yes, starter. That was what I was going to mention as nothing well. Nothing against uh, nothing against uh, Tyler Alexander, but I do like him in that the swingman role. Yes. He can come out, pitch a couple innings. He can start for you on a given day, and that's valuable. That's valuable to have in the back of your pen. Um, I'm I'm glad that we don't have to you know waste a starter spot on him necessarily. And uh, we'll see what the bullpen does because Funkhauser is actually out. He's not going to be start the season with them. Mm-hmm. He's got a he's got a lad issue, um, so he won't be there. Uh, but you got Soto, you got Chafin, obviously um, Fulmer. Uh, we'll see what Cisnero does this year. Um, there's a couple of other interesting guys like Will Vest. He the Mariners picked him as a Rule Five pick last year, but then uh, interestingly enough, he got returned because if you if you send him to the minors and they don't stand spend the whole year on the major league roster, they got to go back. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, he was nine up to ninety seven I think in his um, outing so far this spring so we'll see how the bullpen fares so there's definitely opportunity I mean the teams in the league definitely or in the division got better you know Kansas City got Grinky back um, White Sox lost uh, who was it Fulmer who was uh, who was the other guy uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name he went to San Francisco. 
did the no hitter last year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can't remember his um, name off the top of my head, but I can. I don't know why I'm blanking on this, but they signed some bullpen pieces. Uh, it'll it'll be interesting. Um, Cleveland still got Bieber, but they're slowly tearing down. Uh, and yeah, it'll just be see, interesting to see who steps up. Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson have an excellent chance to make the team out of spring training this year. And Miggy's all for it. Miggy said he can't wait for them to be up. Um, he's because he likes to play first, likes to be out there, but he's like, I'll DH all the time if we can get Torkelson's bat in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Torkelson is ridiculous. Yeah, I, th- I mean, Torkelson's crazy. Yeah, I think I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that fact because the fact that Miggy Miguel's on board with this, I think I think should open people's eyes of, holy cow, these guys are good. Like they are really good. Him and Riley Green, I think honestly, the whole perception I've seen out of the couple games is like, yeah. They're starting in April. Like, we need to get them in the lineup ASAP. So, I mean, that's really good to see. I mean, especially with um, some of those guys being higher picks. I mean, obviously, we had Torkelson at the top of, uh, was it two years ago's draft? Mm-hmm. So, good. I mean, that two year turnaround's already pretty impressive because it takes a lot of guys longer than that, too. But uh, I'm glad you also mentioned uh, Tyler Alexander move. I think, like, a lot of people were like, yeah, Michael Pineda's like, all right. But that, I think that's exactly what we were looking for is we need a guy that can be our fifth guy. Because I think Tyler Alexander is the perfect guy to put in that scenario. Because he has a lot, he has a lot of range as far as what he can do. He can come in for an inning or two, and then he can stretch it out to five if need to. And that's, I think, that's one of his biggest strengths. Like you know, you don't start Don Kelly in right field, right? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? You keep him at the utility spot. Let him come in and do what he does best and fill in at every other position. And in this case, for Tanika Alexander, need him in the bullpen? Okay. You need him to start up? Because obviously, Panate has been hurt part of the season. So he's going to get those opportunities I'd see down the road. But, I mean, I think the the biggest thing going into this season, obviously, the youth. Um how much it's going to translate up to the majors when we got those guys. But I mean, we still got a lot. We still got a lot of good veterans on the team. And I mean, especially like the addition of Tucker Barnhart, I think hasn't been talked enough. Yeah, I mean, that guy's awesome. He's got a gold glove. So he's going to be great to see back there. And I mean, obviously we moved on from Grayson Griner. Uh, did he, what did he end up in? Uh, where did he end up in? I was it. Oh, no. He went down to a minors organization wherever he was. I think it was like the D-backs or something. Must have, I think signed him. But uh, I think that this season right now is going to be really the I wouldn't want to say like the the cornerstone because I feel like last year really was the cornerstone of like here's where we can get in a year. Now let's build off of that and move forward. But right now this kind of feels like the year of like here come the young guns. Let's see what we really got. Like this is the year that everybody's kind of like opening their eyes like holy cow yeah this is a team that can win the division and anything less than that. I mean, really, is that a step backwards almost in a sense? Because the hype right now going through the ceiling, and there's no stopping that going up to opening day. And, of course, you also have to remember some other good things we got going for us. Like Jake Rogers, he might be on the DL right now. He just had Tommy John, but he's going to come back eventually. We'll see where he fits in. Uh, you got Spencer Turnbull, who still on the team. Again, Tommy John, so we'll see how he comes back. And if he comes back, he'd be a huge asset. And then... Last year's draft guys, too. I'm excited to see them in the minors this year. I think people forget forget about Jackson Job entirely. Yeah. You know, you, you think about the top two and Green and Torkelson. You don't even think about, like, Job has already has elite uh, RPMs on his on his slider. Like, mm-hmm. this guy could, if... He could spin it. There's risk there, but if he reaches his ceiling, guy could be, like, lights out. Mm-hmm. And then you also have, like, guys like Dylan Smith and Ty Madden down there who we didn't get to see no we've not seen any of these guys pitch yet and so i'm excited to see what they do in the minors this year including uh guys like reese olsen too we got for um 
for Daniel Norris. Uh, Joey Wentz, who was making his way back from Tommy John last year, and now he's got more time. He's had more time to recover because we're going to need those depth guys to come in when you know Pineda gets hurt or whomever gets hurt. And then also um, Alex Fiedo, uh, who was a yeah. first round pick in 2017, I think. And he's also he also had Tommy John, so mm-hmm. he's never really been given a chance. I feel like like he, he's got a lot of potential. When he uh, the the rotation in Erie like two three years ago was him, Mize, and Manning, mm-hmm. and uh, he led the league in strikeouts over over Casey Mize and over Matt Manning. So yeah. and then pretty much when he was about ready to, and then boom, injury happens. Exactly, yeah, injury happened in uh, you know the small camp during the COVID year. So we'll see what happens. Like even if he doesn't start, it could be a relief piece, could be a trade piece. There's a lot of things. We're to the point where we can consider trading some of these guys for some for some major league talent. We'll see how we are at the deadline. But I mean, with the playoffs being expanded to 12 teams, you know anything could happen this year. Man, we can make the playoffs. There's a possibility. I think there's a I, legit I possibility. Could. I don't know. I like. I really like the way we're way we're shaping up. It's just we gotta play the right people at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's like what usually happens with young players and stuff. You don't want to put them in too early. Mm-hmm. So that way, it's just like all this pressure is on them. But you want to also not make it so way they're just like not ready because you held them back for so long, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of find that sweet spot. And I think, honestly, if you have Miggy, one of the greatest Detroit Tigers ever play, to ever play in the organization, saying, yeah, bring these two guys up, we're going to be really solid. And everything bring that you're saying, up. everything that you're saying, Adam, with, you know, we got a bullpen that's starting to look all right, not terrible. I think that's going to be pretty solid, too, especially when trade deadline comes around. Yeah, much better than it has in years past. I will say that for sure. But, yeah, I mean, obviously the depth pieces as well that we saw, like, last year. I mean, we got guys like Akil Badu. Where is he going to Where's he gonna be? Where's Robbie Grossman going to be? We got other guys in there, too, like Derek Hill, uh, Victor Reyes maybe might come in there a little bit. We'll see, obviously. But, like, where will those guys fit in? And, obviously, we have so much flexibility as well. And I think that's just going to be really interesting to see how it comes around. So it's going to be an exciting opening day because I think there's just a lot of high hope in Detroit right now across all sports. And I think that's really translating over. And I think we're starting to see the foundation being built. And obviously with the Tigers, it just came a lot faster and we're expecting a lot more much quicker. So going to be a fun road to the World Series 2022. Let's get it rolling in April, right? Absolutely. Uh, Tigers won the World Series this year, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Book it. 100%. Yeah. On the sticky note. On lock, the door. Block of the day. Lock it in. Lock it. Lock oh, it. Boy. Bet on it. Bet on my pick. Bet on my pick. Don't bet on my picks unless you win, then bet on my picks, right? Exactly. Absolutely. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. What a great episode we had. Thank you so much to Adam for joining us. Obviously getting us his well-qualified expertise on the subject. We appreciate you coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me. So, Joe, until next time. Take care, everybody.